on Faith FM. It is a beautiful Monday morning. I'm looking out the window. And as I said about an hour ago, it is still hazy and kind of overcast, but now the sun's kind of shining through. It's interesting weather here in Newcastle today. Tell us about your interesting weather. But hey, let's have another question for the quiz. What does Emmanuel mean? Mm, pretty basic question, very straightforward, nice and short and sweet. What does Emmanuel mean? 0491064669 is a number call if you think you know the answer. You can give us a call or a text and go into the draw to win the prize on Friday, which is the wonderful our devotional box gift set. Two books, The Hope of Glory and Our High Calling, John Bradshaw and E.G. White, wonderful set. Uh, 0491064669, what does Emmanuel mean? The answer is not the, uh, the, the way that you change gear in your car. <laughs> that is that is not the answer to what Emmanuel is. But hey, you are listening to the breakfast show. Zero four nine one zero six one six six nine is the number to call or text. And um, speaking of text, I've got a bunch of text messages to go through. Talk, people just saying all kinds of stuff about uh, about the show this morning. First one here: you'll have to um, screw the Christmas tree to the roof, Mon. <laughs> I'll never be able to go under any underpass ever again. Yeah, but <laughs> it'd be, still anything. be funny. Yeah. Like, that's, like, that's why we're saying, like, yeah, yeah, sure, it's impractical. But, you know, you know the first rule of comedy, right? What? As long as it's funny. Like, <laughs> like as long as it's funny, sure, then, let me like... destroy my bus and my beautiful new Christmas tree. Because <laughs> it's funny. All right, uh, <laughs> we have another text message here. Disposable clothes, would they be okay in the rain? Yeah, it's boiling water. That's right. Yeah. yeah. So unless, like, I don't know, unless the, the climate climate crisis gets so bad that boiling water starts falling from the sky, you're pretty safe. Yeah, that's right. That's right. That's the initial thought that I had too. Good, good text there. Tinder and pretty much most dating apps are rubbish, and I absolutely agree with Lawson. God is the answer to finding a spouse, though I do have friends that feel God hasn't answered them in their search for a spouse. Speaking from someone who definitely felt my marriage was God-led, and even though it hasn't seemed to follow the way I thought God would take me, I am still of the belief that God's way is the best, and we often cannot understand His ways. Oh, look, I don't think there's anything wrong with meeting people online. Um, yeah. I know plenty of people who've gotten married meeting their partners on yeah, yeah. Tinder. But, um, yeah, it's uh, just a bit of a trashy yeah, that's right. place right well, now. Well, I wouldn't, I wouldn't prescribe Tinder necessarily. I'm not like... I don't think either of us are anti-online, you know, dating, but even yeah. God can work in that space. The, the problem with Tinder is that the reason Tinder exists is to hook up with people. Like, and that is definitely not God's plan. That is like the, the first and foremost primary objective of Tinder is to get people to meet together so they can hook up. That that's not that's actually. true. Not Mon- was created by um, a dating expert who wanted to create a platform for people to date. There are other apps where hookup is the uh, initial and only reason, but it's not Tinder. <clears throat> well, Tinder has become that because of the users, not because of the intent of the creators. Yeah, but now definitely the creator has played into that. But either which way, Christians will have a hard time on Tinder. Yeah, dude, yeah. just just don't just leave it's it. Not leave a it. Place really for Christians. Leave it in. Leave it in the. Uh, leave it in the bin. Okay, um, another text message here. Okay, this one's kind of heavy. Be skeptical of what the leftist-dominated media tells you about so-called stolen generation and all the alleged graves at the Canada boarding schools. If you investigate objectively, as I have, you will find the truth. That comes in from Chris. Now, 
I, I believe essentially what Chris is saying is that, um, yeah, these these things maybe didn't take place or they're a hoax or they didn't happen. And, and, and usually, like, maybe Chris's perspective, usually when people say that, it's from the perspective that, oh, the, the reason this exists is to somehow further the agenda of the new new world order and obscure their true intentions and what's taking place and what's going on. The, the problem with this, what, I, what I'm seeing here, particularly when it comes to the Canadian boarding schools, is that the fallout of this particular scenario is that it's the Catholic Church who's the one who's having to travel around and apologize. And I haven't seen a single model of the new world order that doesn't include the Catholic Church. They always include the Catholic Church, mm-hmm. and so actively, you know, if if you're saying okay, left domi- leftist dominated media that is there to be to push and be proponents of the new world order, if they are hoaxing a you know mass grave or something, let it happen to a different religion. I don't know, maybe you know attribute it to Islam or something like that. But if you attribute it to the Catholic Church, you're actively taking shots at a member of the new world order. So I'm a bit like, I'm a bit skeptical. Um, I'm a bit skeptical of Chris's skepticism. At the same time, Chris, um, if you have any information about this, you can send it to us and and let us know. And I'm happy to look into it as well. Um, But yeah, I just think it's, it's a little bit of a, it's, it's an interesting thing, interesting times. um, But I think um, like personally, I'm of the opinion that this did really take place. And I feel sympathy towards the victims who who went through this. Uh, finally here, Canada, 800 plus indigenous children graves found. The same thing has happened in many countries around the world. I heard this stories about this like 50 years ago. Many children suffered sex abuse and babies were killed at birth after sexual relationships between priests and nuns. Absolutely disgusting. Uh, has a, a, a recommendation here. It says, watch on YouTube the horrific story of Sister Charlotte of the satanic ritual abuse within the Carmelite Catholic convent and the Catholic Church. It will make you cry. God will judge. I was a Catholic for 35 years until I found this out. Well, that is definitely a heavy text message as well. Um, and yeah, hey, if you want any of the information that was being shared there, I'm sure that story is good. 0491 And coming from a person as well who, you know, isn't necessarily... Um, biased like completely biased against the catholic church they they used to be catholic but they've found that hey this isn't this isn't the way that god is leading this isn't the way that god is calling and if you are a catholic listening this morning you know we are talking about this story from the perspective of a terrible thing that's happened and terrible things happen everywhere all the time um but hey let's turn to jesus and let's cling to him he has our only hope in this time and he is the only one who we can be close to but guys you're listening to The Breakfast Show, and it wouldn't be The Breakfast Show if we didn't get into our time of encounter with God. I literally thought you were going to say it wouldn't be Breakfast Show without breakfast. Well, we, we ate some breakfast. Yeah, you actually brought in some paella for us yeah. to eat, and I've just realized that you snuck mushrooms in it, and I've been sitting here eating mushrooms, and I'm very, very unhappy with you. <laughs> I thought I got you I had you something too. in my mouth, and I'm like, what is that slimy thing between my teeth right now? And then I just realized it's a mushroom. Yeah, a great, amazing paella de verduras. We were eating, and, and now you've just you've thrown it away based on I didn't throw it away based on one small detail, <laughs> one you know one like you know this it's is contaminated essentially. Oh come on, Monica! It's contaminated. It needs to be isolated and like incinerated. <laughs> well, hey, we all we all know that Monica doesn't love mushrooms, but something that Monica does love 
Is and that's oh, oh, I was going to say Christ, but and also doing the Bible study. Let's get yeah, into yeah. It. So, so we're going to do a Bible study. We have been talking about the crucible, Monica. What is a crucible? It's a crucifix. No, I'm kidding. Nah, you said that last week. Okay, you've been it's educated. A, it's now. a pot now where they are, where they melt metal in. It's a pot where you melt metal in, and we've been talking about all kinds of things to do with crucibles. We've been talking about the crucible that Jesus went through. Uh, we've been talking about. Um, yeah, he is the, 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 the goldsmith of the crucible. That was last week. And who is the goldsmith? It's Jesus. Mm. Jesus is the one who is, you know, running the crucible, who is refining us. To d- this week, uh, today and this week, our topic is extreme heat. Ooh. Extreme heat. Times in which people were chucked in the crucible and were definitely tested. Yeah. In a very, 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 very extreme way. Exciting. So, you know who we're going to be talking about this morning? Uh, literally, the first thing that came to my mind was the fiery furnace. <laughs> extreme heat. Dude, I'm... Literal extreme I'm, heat. I'm, like, looking through the rest of the week, and I'm really hoping that that comes up. We were talking about Daniel chapter 12 last week, but no, the first person who we are going to talk about is our father, Abraham. Hey, Father Abraham, let's go to Genesis chapter 22. Uh, We're going to be spending the majority of our time there today. Genesis chapter 22. Just reading through and seeing the situation that becomes upon Abraham. uh, That is... Dude with many sons. Dude with many sons. And, well, this story specifically referencing his first son here. His first and only son to his wife, Sarah. Uh, well, you could say it's not his first son. It was his second son because he had, by this time, he had a son to his other, you know, mistress, Hagar, which is a very terrible and unfortunate situation. But Isaac here, the son of promise, and a specific uh, situation regarding him and his well-being. You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. A situation that I believe is probably one of the greatest tests of faith um, and a really incredible story that is often misunderstood Mm. um, and used to accuse God of being a terrible person. And I'm just like, I I hear people talk about it and I'm like, bro, did you even read the story? Like, did you read what happened in the end? Um, Because essentially this is, this is the story of the binding of Isaac. Uh, where he's taken to the top of Mount Carmel. And the consensus for skeptics is like, why is God so evil that he would tell Abraham to like sacrifice his, make Abraham sacrifice his son. And the outcome is that Abraham didn't sacrifice his son because of what God said. And so that's just something to keep in mind. I'm like, I'm, I'm, I'm sick of the idea people push that it's like, wow, God is a terrible person because he made Abraham sacrifice his son. No, he didn't. Isaac wasn't killed here. The, The rest of the book of Genesis attests to that fact and within the story itself as well. But let's pick it up. Genesis chapter 22. And you want to read for us, Monica, verse 1 to verse, let's say verse 4. Sometime later, God tested Abraham's faith. Abraham, God called. Yes, he replied, here I am. Take your son, your only son, yes, Isaac, whom you love so much, and go to the land of Moriah. Go and sacrifice him as a burnt offering on one of your mountains, which I will show you. The next morning, Abraham got up early. He saddled his donkey and took two of his servants with him, along with his son Isaac. Then he chopped wood for a fire for a burnt offering and set out for the place God had told him about it. 
On the third day of their journey, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. Stay here with the donkey, Abraham told the servants. The boy and I will travel a little further. We will worship there and then we will come right back. Mm. So Abraham is told by God to go and to make sacrifice, um, to worship him on Mount Moriah to give burnt offering. And so he chops up some wood. He gets a donkey. He brings a servant and him and his son head there. Now, what don't they have with them? A sacrificial animal? Yeah, that's right. Mm -hmm. They don't have a sacrificial animal. Now, it doesn't explicitly say in these first four verses, God doesn't say, go and sacrifice your son. But the fact that Abraham didn't take an animal to sacrifice, when he very much had one because he was incredibly wealthy and rich, means that in some way it was communicated to him. It was understood. And particularly by the language that was used, take now your son, your only son Isaac, who you love, and go to... Oh, well, it says, yeah, offer him. So essentially, like he's told, get it done. Yeah. And end the life of your son for the purpose of sacrifice. Is this a heavy thing for God to say? Is this a gnarly call? Yeah. I mean, no parent wants to hear the direction to go Mm. kill your baby. That's right. Do you think that this is in line with God's character as previously stated? No. 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 Right? Like, no, like God is, up until this point, is vehemently against yeah, child a, sacrifice. Not kill. Like, yeah. human sacrifice. Like, in fact, you know, in reflecting on this, like, this, one of the biggest reasons that the flood happened was the propagation of human sacrifice. Like, that's right. Like, he's been wiping out, like, cultures where that's the, the go to move. That's right. Yeah. That's right. We actually consistently see that. That, that. that is, like, to God, one of the most abominable, highest forms of immorality. Yet now he's asking Abraham to participate in the same. Abraham would understand that this isn't necessarily who God is. This isn't necessarily what God does or how God functions. Uh, But I, I believe that Abraham understands at this point, okay, this is, and we see from the very first test, God, like from the very first verse, God tested Abraham. The test isn't over, I believe, the test isn't over whether or not Abraham um, is faithful enough to sacrifice his son. I really believe that because Abraham would have every evidence to know that God isn't about human sacrifice. The test here is over whether Abraham understands the character of God mm. because that is what this experience is going to reveal to Abraham more than anything else. Let's continue reading. Do you want to pick up in verse 5 for us? Now, um, we, oh, no, we've read verse five. We might pick it up in verse six. We understand that they've come to the mountain. They see it afar off and they tell their servant, hey, we're going to go up the mountain to sacrifice. Please stay here. Do you want to pick it up in verse six? And let's read to verse, let's say verse nine. So Abraham placed the wood for the burnt offering on Isaac's shoulders while he himself carried the fire and the knife. As the two of them walked on together, Isaac turned to Abraham and said, Father? Yes, my son, Abraham replied. We have the fire and the wood, the boy said, but where is the sheep for the burnt offering? God will provide a sheep for the burnt offering, my son, Abraham answered, and they both walked on together. When they arrived at the place where God had told him to go, Abraham built an altar and arranged the wood on it. Then he tied his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. 
this is heavy. Yeah, it's pretty heavy. I keep saying heavy, but it's because it is. Like, the reality of the situation is that Abraham is having to do something that no one wants to do or should do. Mm. He is having to... He, he, he believes he has to take the life of his son, Isaac. Now, Isaac asks him a question. What does Isaac ask? You know, what does Isaac want to know? Where's the, uh, where's the offering? Where's the offering, yeah. right? You're, you're walking up there. You're looking around. You see, okay, we've got... The math's not working We've out. got a knife. Mm-hmm. We've got wood. We've got rope. We've got things to make fire with. But again, we don't have an animal. Mm-hmm. And so he says, hey, Dad, where, where's the offering? Yeah. Where's the offering? And what... What's Abraham's response? What is what is Abraham? The Lord Abraham's? will provide. The Lord will provide an offering. And I'm, I reckon he must have been praying mm. that an actual sheep would appear. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The Lord will provide. Now, I think, you know, this speaks to a couple different things. Firstly, um, I believe it speaks to Abraham's belief that, again, God is very much against human sacrifice. And God, you know, would provide a sacrifice. He could, you know, they could show up and a, and a sheep could be there. At the same time, it could also speak to the idea and the fact that the reason Abraham has a son, Isaac, is because the Lord has provided. And Abraham has been explicitly told with no other, you know, interjection or recommendations or anything. He's been explicitly told that his son, Isaac, was the son of promise. Mm. And Isaac or Abraham hasn't done anything wrong or communicated, God hasn't communicated them to them anything um, that would say otherwise. You know, if God had a came to Abraham and said, your son Isaac is very badly behaved. So he's not the son of promise anymore. We need to get rid of him. No, that hasn't happened. You know, or Abraham, you've done some terrible behavior that has disqualified you from bearing the son of promise. So you have to kill your son as punishment. No, nope, that hasn't happened either. God has just rocked up and said, your son, your only son, he needs to be sacrificed. Now, God has provided the son. And God has explicitly said, this is the son of promise. And so I believe that Abraham understands, again, this, is, this test is over what does Abraham believe about the character of God? And he believes, okay, if God provided me this son, and he is explicitly, explicitly said to me that this is the son of promise, even if I kill him, he'll come back to life. Even if I kill him, he'll probably be resurrected. Mm -hmm. You know, I I believe that Abraham believed, (laughs) you know, Abraham being the the father of the faith, Abraham being the one who was called by God to establish the nation of Israel, to bring forth the Messiah to save the world. He would have had some understanding of the resurrection, the second, you know, the, the end of the world, the end of sin, these kinds of things. And he probably would have got, he probably would have understood. Like, man, if I need to kill, kill Isaac, he's still the son of promise. Nothing has changed. There's no other son that I can give the birthright to. He's it. So God is going to work in this situation. He understands. Now, he binds Isaac up. And maybe he communicated to Isaac. Well, what we know he did communicate is that the Lord will provide. He binds Isaac up. It doesn't say Isaac was scared. It doesn't say Isaac was running away. It doesn't say Isaac was fighting. It just says that he was bound. And, you know, Abraham at this point is in his hundreds, late or late 90s. Uh, can, can Isaac get away? Isaac's a yeah. boy. Like, Isaac can 
big time, you know, turn on the jets and just take off. <laughs> turn on the jets. Like he can, he can definitely run away. Yeah, but he sure. doesn't. No, he doesn't. I believe that Isaac also had this faith that Abraham had, and he trusted his dad, and he gets bound and gets put on the pile. You're listening to the Breakfast Show podcast on Faith FM, positively different. And right now, it is time for the final quiz. Quiz question. How did the Ammonites humiliate David's men? 0491064669. How did the Ammonites humiliate David's men? Oh, that's tough. Mm. 0491064669. Answer correctly. You will go in the draw to win our incredible prize for this week. This I week. didn't actually know the answer to this one. Now that I'm reading the answer, it's kind of hilarious. <laughs> I must have missed that story in the Bible. That is so funny. <laughs> do you know the answer? I believe I do. <laughs> I believe I do. Um, but, hey, you're listening to The Breakfast Show. We're going to get back into our story. We've been looking at Genesis 22. This is actually a story that we've covered a fair few times on The Breakfast Show, even just a couple of – we're doing the book of Genesis, I believe it was – what, last quarter, and we, we looked at this story. But we're continuing on because we're in this, we're, we're understanding extreme heat, times in which God's people were chucked in the crucible and they were refined. Their faith was tested and bolstered and it grew. If, and if there was any time in which that took place, well then, yeah, like it's going to happen yeah. to Abraham in this story. Now, let's continue on. Now, we, we, we've understood, we know Abraham here. He's been told by God to sacrifice his son. He takes him to Mount Moriah. They have this exchange. Isaac willingly gets on the, on the, on the, uh, on the altar. Uh, from what we've understood, from the context of this story and who God is at this point, God is against human sacrifice. God is against, yeah, God is, like, what God is against is against <laughs> killing humans for his own benefit. Right. Like, like God is against like killing people, um, like all people killing people to appease him because this is the deal. This is the deal. Um, actually I got a, just got a text message from Frecker. He said, God is against the sacrifice of human life, yet he sacrificed his own son. You see. Yeah. I was going to say this because Isaac's a type, right? I, yes. Yeah, this is, we think this is such a horrific story that a, a son, I mean, a father should be asked to sacrifice his son. And yet that's exactly what God did. Yep. And that's the thing. A father sacrificed his son. We also have to understand that that son, Jesus Christ, was definitely complicit and consenting in that sacrifice. But what we see there is self-sacrificial love. Mm. Killing your kids so that you have a better crop harvest, which is what a lot of people did, you know, back in the, back in the ancient times. That is not sacri- self-sacrificial love. Um, self-sacrificial love is to give your life for someone. Um, and this is the lesson. Um, but like, even if you like Jesus gives his life for the world, the son of God gives his life for the world. That is still incredibly hard and incredibly sorrowful and incredibly difficult for the father. And this is what God is trying to get Abraham to understand. And we see that because ultimately the question is, did Isaac die? No, no, no. He didn't actually sacrifice his son. And let's see the rest of the story. Now let's pick it up. Um, we're going to read in verse, you want to read for us verse 10 to verse 13. And Abraham picked up the knife to kill his son as a sacrifice. 
At that moment, the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham. Yes, Abraham replied, here I am. Don't lay a hand on the boy, the angel said. Do not hurt him in any way, for now I know that you truly fear God. You have not withheld even your son from me, your only son. Then Abraham looked up and saw a ram caught in by its horns in a thicket. So he took the horn, took the ram by its horns and sacrificed it as a burnt offering in place of his son. Mm. So, did Isaac die? No. Praise the Lord. Isaac yeah. doesn't die. He gets stopped by the angel of the Lord. Yeah. Um, Abraham does. Now, this, this phrase, the angel of the Lord, uh, I would say it is 100% confirmed and you can... 100% believe that when the Bible uses the phrase, the the angel of the Lord, it can be like an angel of the Lord, and it might give it a name like you know, Gabriel or something like that. But when he uses the phrase, the angel of the Lord, it's talking about a specific person. And that specific person is pre-incarnate Jesus. Mm-hmm. Uh, the reason we know that is because, I'll give you an example. You have the story of Moses in the burning bush. Moses sees in the burning bush the angel of the Lord. Moses then gets on his knees and starts to worship the angel of the Lord. And the and he calls the angel of the Lord God. And the angel of the Lord says, yes, I am God. An angel can't be God. In fact, that's what the whole great controversy is about. Like, Satan can't be God. And in other times when humans are worshipping literal angels... They say stop. They say stop. Yeah. But the reason the angel of the Lord is worshipped by Moses is because it was God. The word angel, angelos in the Greek, um, is essentially the word for messenger. And this is God's great messenger. This is the way that he interacts with his people. This is this is God. Um, and so this is God, Jesus, pre-incarnate Jesus, the one who would later be sacrificed, shows up to Abraham and says, stop, you know, put the knife down. Don't do it. Don't, don't go through with it. Um, and the reason is, oh, why, why does he say that? And it's ultimately because he's like, hey, Abraham, we can see that you understand. You now understand. You purposed in your heart to end the life of your son and sacrificed him because, and sacrificed him because God needed you to, because God had called you to. We know that you understand God now. And because you have faith, you'll be rewarded. And, you know, they then find a ram in a thicket and they take the ram and they sacrifice that instead and they make a burnt offering and they, they worship God. Now, it's it's interesting, a little bit later down the track, um, when we read, let's actually, let's go to the book of John. Do you want to go with John, uh, to the book of John? We're going to go to chapter 8 in the book of John, and we're going to read verse 56, John 8 and verse 56. This is a really cool passage. Ah, I think this is really amazing. Your father Abraham rejoiced as he looked forward to my coming. He saw it and was glad. How cool is this statement? Mm. The reason Jesus can say this is because he was there. Yeah. When, like, the binding of Isaac and the almost sacrifice of Isaac took place. And he's saying to the Jews now, like, your father Abraham, like, (laughs) rejoiced to see my day. Now, as a result of this, you know, they then say, how do you know Abraham? Like, you're only 50. And Abraham was like, thousands of years ago and then he's like before abraham was i am and then everyone's like let's kill him um because he claims to be he claims to be god he claims to be the person that was there with abraham going over this scenario and this situation um but ultimately what abraham learned from his test of faith as we said is that it's ultimately god the one is the one who provides 
you know, what we were talking about on the show yesterday, uh, not yesterday, but last week, early last week, we're talking about, oh, how can God refine us? And what, and what does that mean? And what does it look like for Jesus to grow us and change us? Well, we saw that it's actually his work to do in our hearts. He's the one who provides. He's the one who gives. And now he's given to us an amazing gift, the gift of the Holy Spirit. Firstly, he gave his son to die for us. Secondly, he gave us, you know, the law of God to show us how we can live like him and grow close to him. And thirdly, he's given us the Holy Spirit because he knows that we can't keep his law, but he wants to to enable us to be able to follow him. You know, it reminds me of the verse in Romans, Romans 8.32. Yeah, if God is not even willing um, to spare his own son, but to sacrifice him, to give him up for us all, how is he then not freely willing to give us all things? God was willing to provide a son for Abraham, but then also once Abraham understood what God would go through and what God would go through and what Jesus would go through in the sacrifice of the son of God, God was willing to provide a lamb. God is seeing your situation. He's seeing that he wants you to grow. He wants you to change. He wants you to know him. And he wants to give you everything so that you can go through the particular trial or the test of life and of faith that you are going through. He wants to give you every single means to be able to get through it. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. Hey, let's have some answers to the quiz question. Oh, it's oh yeah, it's about that time again, isn't it? How exciting! All right, uh, here we go. Number one, uh, Bible prophecy: a beast is used to symbolize a kingdom or nation. The ruler who giving the order to exec, uh, execute John the Baptist was King Herod. Uh, the which Caesar issued the decree that brought Joseph and Mary to Bethlehem was Caesar Augustus. Emmanuel means God with us, and the. <laughs> The Ammonites humiliated David's men by shaving off half their beards and cutting off part of their garments. <laughs> yeah, that's tough. I wonder which half they shaved off. Like, was it left or right or top and bottom kind of I reckon. I reckon they just cut it short. Okay. They gave him, like, a short it's little a, it's beard. It says shaved off half their beards. Oh. I'm just imagining, like, a bunch of, like, a platoon of men running around with, like, only, like, the left side of their face. Ah, oh, now that would, <laughs> that would be terrible. They look like a bunch of jesters. That would be awful. Yeah. Well, hey, right now it is time for... Question of the Day. All right, coming in today is a question from Brayden, uh-huh. and it goes like this. When you said about Job's wife leaving him, does that mean they get back together because God gives him more children, or is this just a question we have no answer to? Okay, so the answer to the question is Job's wife never left him. That is the, that's the first thing to that's address. That's the short answer. That's the, that's the short, short answer. Now, now, does Job's wife... Treat him, treat him really bad. Let's see what the Bible says. In verse 9 of Job chapter 2, the Bible says, Then his wife said to him, Do you still hold fast to your integrity? Curse God and die. So she's just, she is looking at Job, this guy who's lost everything, and is not, she not being very supportive? Is she acting in Job's best interest here? Is, is she being a supportive spouse? The, the answer to me is no. Unfortunately, no. Um, and from this point forward, yeah, there, there really is no mention that Job's wife actually leaves him. Now, we might have said that on the show colloquially, um, but it doesn't actually, like, they don't go through, like, an official divorce. She doesn't, like, take off. We just know that they're in 
a bad way because Job's in a bad way. Now, Job goes through his test of faith, his crucible, comes out of the other side, and God restores him. And this is essentially what it says here. Uh, this is from Job chapter 42. It says, And the Lord restored Job's losses when he prayed for his friends. Indeed, the Lord gave Job twice as much as he had before. Then all his brothers, all his sisters, and all of those who had been his acquaintances before came to him and ate food with him in his house. And they consoled him and comforted him for all the adversity that the Lord had brought upon him. So all his brothers, his sisters, and those who he, whom he had acquaintance with, which you could definitely throw a wife in that category there. Uh, they all come back. They come back. This is the point. Job's wife, she says, curse God and die. She's angry at him. She's upset. She might not be in the picture because she's like, oh, you know, I don't want to be around this guy right now. But we don't see an official divorce proceeding take place. And then it says all the acquaintances come back. Now, each one, it continues on, it says, each one gave him a piece of silver and a, silver and a ring of gold. Now, the Lord blessed the latter days of Job more than his beginning, for he had 14,000 sheep. Bro was rich. 6,000 camels, 1,000 yoke of oxen, and 1,000 female donkeys. Like, this is, this is big numbers even for today. He also had seven sons and three daughters. And he called the name of his first Jeremiah. The second was Keziah. And the name of the third was Karen Hapich. In all the land, there was found no women as beautiful as the daughters of Job. And their fathers gave them an inheritance among their brothers. Um, After this, Job lived 140 years and saw his children and his grandchildren of four generations. So Job died old and full of days. Ultimately, it says all of his acquaintances come back. It doesn't say that he gets remarried to a new person, which it definitely would if he did, but it does say that he has children. So the the assumption made is that most likely because there is there was no official divorce, they probably didn't get divorced. And then secondarily, because he had more kids, it was probably with her. It probably leaves out the mention of her because she acted like such a terrible person <laughs> and she treated Job so poorly. But... In the end, I believe, yeah, she come around and the Bible doesn't indicate that he had another spouse. You're listening to The Breakfast Show and we have come to the end of The Breakfast Show. <laughs> hey, we have Tazzy Encounters coming up after this. I have one more text message to share. I had a bunch more text messages to share. We just don't have time to get through them. But very good music this morning and a good lesson for today. One with a promise for us today. Good on you, blessed team from Julia. Oh, yeah, thanks, Julia. we do. Personally. We have had amazing music. Shout out, producer Shell. But also, mm-hmm. stand with Jesus today. He is wanting to work in your heart. He's wanting to work through in your life and get you through the crucibles, get you through the test that is a world full of sin and bring you to the other side of it where you are standing with God in the kingdom of heaven. Hey, right now, guys, go into this day. Remember to talk faith, lift faith, and act faith, and you will grow strong in Jesus Christ.
Thanks for being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at 1-800-FAITH-FM.